will set it up. A three-pointer would tie the game. There's 40 seconds to go. Here's the three from the corner by Charles Bullseye. Welcome to Week 8 of the IU Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. On this week's episode, we talk with former Eastern Illinois track athlete, Lamar Pottinger. A multiple-time Ohio Valley Conference hurdle champion, Pottinger has gone on to a career in athletic administration and currently works as the Associate Director of Leadership Development at the NCAA office in Indianapolis. We would like to thank this week's corporate partner and restaurant of the week, Olmstead Brothers Insulation and TK Grill. Olmstead Brothers Insulation, proudly serving Charleston and the surrounding communities with quality insulation services for more than 20 years. The TK Grill is located in the Holiday Inn in Effingham and provides breakfast, lunch, and dinner options to satisfy any taste. In athletics news this week, last Friday, the Board of Trustees for Eastern Illinois approved naming rights for the Lance Arena basketball and volleyball court, which will be named First Mid Court at Lance Arena as part of a five-year corporate agreement with First Mid Bank and Trust. And if you haven't already, be sure to register for this year's virtual fundraising event for EIU Athletics, the EIU Fandemic. Visit eiufandemic.givesmart.com today to learn more. That's EIU Fandemic, spelled F-A-N-D-E-M-I-C, dot givesmart.com. And for the latest on EIU information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers and online at EIUPanthers.com. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with Lamar Pottinger. And welcome to our latest episode of EIU Panthers podcast. I'm joined today with former EIU track star Lamar Pottinger. Lamar now works over at the NCAA. So thanks for joining us today, Lamar. Great. Thanks for having me, Rich. Now, last time I saw Lamar, Lamar was in a different role. He was actually down at, at Texas Tech, and we're going to hit on a, a bunch of places that Lamar has been in his, his career. Um, actually was able to, to run into him and, and catch up face-to-face. And, yeah, you played men's basketball down there. At the time, Lamar was telling me, hey, he's like, it's a good thing you guys played us because I'm moving to Indy here in about two weeks. <laughs> that, that's right. That is right. Wow. <laughs> And so, Lamar, in your new role, I guess, kind of explain a little bit. Um, the, I wrote your title down here as like mm-hmm. Assistant Director of Leadership Development. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure that may be a bigger, fancier title than what you do, or that may be a, a smaller title than what you, you actually do there. So why don't you yeah. explain a little bit about that, and then we'll talk about some of those initiatives. Yeah, absolutely. So it actually is now associate director. So I guess in hindsight, it could be a little bit bigger title. Okay. Um, but yeah, so associate director for leadership development at the NCA, and um, essentially, uh, our our I guess our tagline is we prepare um, today's leaders for tomorrow. So we deal with programmings and initiatives that have to do with everything off of the court, the playing field, the competition, the track. Uh, for our coaches, administrators, and our, and our student-athletes. So uh, we have a little bit over 13 programs, depending on the year, where the core of what we do is surrounded around all leadership development, leadership training, um, which and then um, can help, especially our coaches and administrators, continue to advance and um, get promotions or get hired at different institutions due to being able to, to navigate and, and have an enhanced leadership role. So my role specifically in that is that 
Uh, I oversee uh, a student athlete, a couple of student athlete programs, a program for administrators, and then um, our, our internship program internally. And then lastly, our diversity grants as well. So I got kind of got my hands all over the place. Uh, but to talk about more, you know, for the student athletes, we have a career in sports forum, which we had some um, EIU yep. uh, student athletes attend, even though that was virtually this year due to the pandemic. But that's one of the programs I oversee where we have 200 plus um, student athletes attend uh, the forum within Indianapolis. And they go through a different um, set of um, trainings, workshops on leadership, but also career preparation to, to have a, uh, a profession in athletics or in sport in general. We bring in guest speakers from coaches to administrators to even this year, we have some professional sports um, uh, professionals come in to, to speak to the student athletes. So that's one of our, our key programs that we do for student athletes. And then um, the diversity grants is, is pretty widespread. It's six grants split up between um, division two and division three. And essentially we help finance and fund um, positions for those two divisions. Yep. So each grant, each grant kind of supplements, you know, different um, tiers. So one grant is for uh, the, the coaches. Another grant is for like mid-level administrators. So your assistant ADs, maybe your associate ADs. And then um, the last grant is more of your entry level. So it's called an internship, but it's still full-time, might be a, a assistant director or a coordinator or depending on the division, um, you, it could be called a director position uh, walking in um, as an entry level position as well. So um, those, those two take up a lot of my time. And then the, the postgraduate internship program that's been going on for 22 years um, is an internship program for a year long. We bring in 30 individuals, spread them out between 11 departments and they get a chance to, to be the real time uh, NCA employee. So it's a great opportunity for um, young professionals, professionals in general that want to uh, really get knee deep into college athletics and, and learn from the highest level um, and be able to acquire those skills and experiences. So, yeah. Now, now for you guys in that, you talked about a lot of different things there. Are these experiences and leadership type things, are they geared more for people to remain and stay in athletics and move up? Or are these things that you've noticed that some of these people have used these skills and kind of parlayed those into to moving up in, you know, professional companies outside of, of the NCAA and its members? Yeah, so majority um, of our programs are geared to have those leadership experiences for them to kind of matriculate per se up in the ranks of college athletics. Now our internship program we have seen a number of uh, the interns move on to either professional sports or a national governing body. We have interns at USA uh, Track and Field, some with um, US uh, MOIC, um, others that are with the NFL, some are with the NBA. So um, I would say majority go within college athletics, but there are a number that have went on to um, sport within the professional area or just kind of Olympics or in general, it could be a corporate space that has to do with sport. Now for you, like I, like I said, I was able to catch up with you for a few minutes at Texas Tech when basketball played down there in November, which in this, I guess, scenario of how the world yeah. spins right now seems like 
you know, several lifetimes ago, not just, yeah. you know, about nine or 10 months ago. Yeah. So you're at the NCAA in mid-March as they're making these major decisions now mm -hmm. that, that are, are going on. You didn't even kind of really have time to maybe even get your feet wet and kind of get going with, with this program. What were some of the hurdles that, that you kind of had to address and maybe change your approach to doing this program with, as you've only, you were only there, what we'll say five months at the, at the most when, yeah. when all of a sudden everything kind of got shut down. Yeah, that's a, a good way to, to put it, Rich. I was, I was probably there, you know, um, two months actually in the building. So my job requires me to travel significantly. So yeah. when I got there in December, we went to um, Atlanta for a conference and then I went to uh, Texas for another conference. And then in January, out of 31 days, I was actually in Indianapolis for seven. So between going to the National Convention in California, another convention in Dallas, another convention in Austin, and then somewhere else, um, I think I was in uh, Phoenix, actually, as well. Um, I only had pretty much the month of February, and then March came uh, with the pandemic to be in there. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of... There's a lot of faces that I see for the first time on our, our, our teams or our Zoom calls. There's a lot of people that know my name because I email them. But I, 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 if I saw them in the building today, I wouldn't even know who they are. So uh, my approach has been um, unique just because I do have to communicate with so many different uh, stakeholders and colleagues within the building. Um, I try to do as much face-to-face um, -face meetings as far as like Teams, Zoom. Um, as I can. Some people still just call or we have conference calls or whatever it may be. I try to let people know, like, I'd rather just see you, especially if it's the first time that, that we're interacting. Um, another thing that I've had to do is kind of um, figure out, just as everyone has been doing, but I've had to figure out how to um, do my job in the pandemic stage without knowing how to do my job <laughs> without <Yeah>. the pandemic. <laughs> so the joke in the building is that uh, when I get back to the office, whenever that is, is that I'm not going to know how to do a handful of things because I've never had to do it um, due to, you know, our, our state right now. So um, I think the, the best approach that has helped me is doing the relationship building through more face-to-face -face conversations, again, meaning Zoom or Teams. And then um, the benefit is that a lot of what we do is external communication anyway. So still being able to communicate via Zoom. Um, or on the phone with different um, ADs in the Division Two, Division Three space, talking to different administrators, coaches, student athletes from the various institutions. That doesn't really change there um, as far as our communication and connection um, with the membership. So, uh, yeah, the relationship building has, has been tough on me just being a, the new person in the building. Um, but those are some ways that I've approached trying to get around it. I think when people think the NCAA and they think sports, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is, is the basketball tournament. The NCAA, mm -hmm. of course, provides a, a lot of athletic on-field opportunities. But I think sometimes people forget that this is the area where, where you kind of come in to play is that there is a lot more to life than the game on the field, on the track, in the pool. There's an academic component to it. There's a leadership component to it. So despite a lot of teams aren't playing right now, you guys are probably still going full speed ahead. Whereas, you know, you and I were talking before we jumped on here is I'm just kind of covering practices right now. We don't, we don't have any games, but in the, the spring, my life will be turned upside down doing the, the coverage of games. 
Yeah, we're 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 as busy as as ever. Um, with things you know don't stop here for us. We're actually just because of the programming that we do are looked at a lot to um, provide some type of program virtually for student athletes or coaches or administrators. So um, all of our programs that got canceled from March until pretty much August that were in person, we converted them to be online kind of Zoom classrooms. Um, so instead of one of our programs that meets over a week, six or seven days, really eight to nine hours a day, really, really immersed in um, pretty robust curriculum, we now spread that out through an entire year. So um, we'll meet with those individual administrators every other month for two hours. So September, November, et cetera, et cetera. But then it gives us the opportunity to do more of um, application-based uh, teaching. So maybe we'll talk about something for two hours and do a few activities on Zoom, but then we'll have them um, do some actionable things on campus. Maybe if we're talking about difficult conversations with a colleague or a direct report, we'll then give them the tools and then say, hey, try to, to do these things um, the next time you have these conversations. And then we get back in November, we'll have a conversation around it. So it's kind of um, uh, a catch 22 there because now you get an opportunity for people to implement things right away and then come back and get the programming. Um, but yeah, we've, we've done um, four or five programs now online and it takes just as much time, uh, if not more to do it that way than what we would do in, in person. So um, yeah, we, we haven't really stopped anything that, that we've been doing. Everything is still um, moving forward with that and knowing that, you know, like you said, there's a lot of student athletes and coaches that are just practicing versus competing. Um, we're still moving forward. Now, well, good segue there on using the word student athlete because that's what you are, Lamar. It's one of the reasons yeah. you do this in addition to your interesting role there at the NCAA. You, of course, track athlete here at EIU, was, were a hurdler. Um, I said that correctly, the plural. I didn't think that is. Hurdler <laughs> yeah. is, is, the, is the correct term there. And so I guess take us back to some of those experiences, you know, at, in terms of, you know, what you remember for, from running on the track. You were – fortunate enough and talented enough that, that you won a couple individual OVC championships, but also won a couple team championships. Yeah, I always tell people that um, my time in, in college was probably the best experience um, of my life so far. <clears throat> um, it, um, talking to some of the student athletes that I've been able to advise or mentor, and especially with, you know, like you said, track being an individual sport, and winning a few conference championships individually, I always talk about how winning the conference championships as a team was probably the highlights. Just because, I mean, you remember just with Coach Akers, uh, Coach Emmanuel, um, we had a couple of different jump coaches between our time there. But the the culture and environment that our team had, I think, was was one that I don't think a lot of track teams in the nation had just the, between the cohesion with us, with, between practice, when we went to go eat in the cafeteria, it was just that type of environment. And, and I know it was because of the initial success that we had, but, you know, for us to win at least the four, well, five years that I was there, we won every year. Um, it, it had to, a lot to do with our culture uh, within uh, running and, and just being together. 
Um, I, I don't miss the, the preseason time. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the 22 200s uh, every, uh, I think, October or beginning of November before it got too cold there. I do miss um, just, just running in general on the track. I try to get some track workouts in uh, whenever I can uh, with the high school down the street. But, um, you know, I always uh, attribute a lot of kind of my mentality in the workplace to track. I'm a very independent um, worker and, and can have that tunnel vision per se, but I also like to be a part of a team and, and collaborate. And I think track um, taught me that, when, especially when it came time to doing the things I needed to do to win um, my event and get those 10 points so that it can contribute to the overall score for our team to eventually win um, the conference championship. So I enjoyed it. I did hear that our shuttle relay record is finally up on the board in um, in the indoor track. I didn't okay. know that was up there. <laughs> so somebody uh, that was visiting um, had told me that. So that was exciting to see that or at least hear about it. Yeah. Now you talk about records there and I guess is that, and that may be the one you go to. I always ask when I do these is like, is there a, an individual memory, a meet um, yeah. that, that kind of stands out for, for you? I know you talked about the, the team championships, you had some individual championships some, and some, some relay records. Is there, there one that, that when you're, you know, 15, 20 years from now, when you're going <laughs> to tell your kids, you know, how good you are, that'll be the memory that you tell them about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There, there's, there's one for sure that sticks out. It was my senior year indoor championships, OVC. And I had one indoor every I had one indoor 60 meter hurdles my freshman year my sophomore year unfortunately I lost my junior year at Tennessee State and then now this is my last year and and Dominique Hall if you remember Dominique um he, we would always go head to head in the hurdles I would always win the 60 meter hurdles at conference he would always win the 110 meters um at outdoor so this was the year we were kind of neck and neck at practice with, with hurdles and, and just our block starts and sprints. And um, that year, first time I've ever seen it live, we actually tied for first place <laughs> at the conference championship. <laughs> and <laughs> we looked at the scoreboard and we saw the, the, um, the, the same time. And usually that means, okay, well, when they get down to the judges, yeah. somebody actually did win because it'll, it'll go down the numbers. And, and when we got there, I don't know if it was, you know, for us being seniors and us leaving or it was actually the numbers. But when we walked over, they said down to the 10th of the 10th, um, it was a tie. So that was a really cool experience uh, with, a, with a great teammate and brother that, you know, I still talk to uh, today that we got to, to, to leave out and, and share, share that moment on the podium together. Now, from there, you kind of parlayed and I don't know, this is, seems to be the transition, but a good number of athletes here from EIU. Um, they kind of get into coaching a little bit. They get into mm -hmm. some other areas. Um, and I have, you, you talked about Coach Emanuel. Brenton Emanuel is now the director of, of track and field here. You kind of followed a little bit of the, a similar path to, to how Brenton did as you, you coached a little bit when you were finishing up here, but then you also kind of got your feet wet working in academics and, and compliance. And when you started doing both of those, as we can tell, if you're at the NCAA doing leadership now and you're not coaching, we, we can tell which path you went. What was kind of the, the watershed moment for you that made you decide, look, I love track, but I don't know that coaching's what I want to do, but I can 
I can make a living doing athletics in this other way. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, when I got to Western Illinois, when I pursued my master's degree there, and like you said, I was in academics and compliance, um, volunteered, coached with, with that team, and was over the sprints and the hurdlers and just kind of making sure that, you know, they were um, progressing throughout the, the preseason at that time since I just got there. And then we moved into a couple of indoor track meets and then eventually got to uh, a couple of home track meets as well. The, the biggest thing that I saw through that and, and some of the coaching that I did at Eastern and then during the summer uh, with some AAU track clubs is that I, I love training athletes the the coaching, the recruiting, the paperwork, yeah. everything else that comes with it, <laughs> the administrative side yeah. to it, right? That's it's ironic that I say that when I'm an administrator now. But um, if I was going to coach, I just wanted to train. So I loved having one or two athletes during the summer and just training them and and being their their only coach. Um, I didn't want to have twenty thirty athletes that I had to monitor and coach. I just I liked the more individual attention. Um, type training. So that's what kind of, um, you know, moved me more towards the administrative side. And, and I've always said that if anybody ever called me to help them with some hurdle drills or, you know, their block starts, I would, I would definitely help, but I, I won't be, uh, I won't be uh, Brenton. <laughs> I won't be a director of track and field one day. And that's kind of how, you know, I, I chose that route and I've enjoyed it so far, but I, the training part, um, you know, just me being a, the natural like leader mentor of me is what kind of caught me, for sure. Now, you talked about you, you got your, your, your master's at Western Illinois. We won't hold that against you. We, <laughs> we, always, we always like when you, when you get both degrees here as an alum, but we know those opportunities don't always exist. But you kind of got a little bit into academics, administration there, and then moved on to Jacksonville, um, down in Florida, uh -huh. and then Old Dominion from there, eventually going to Texas Tech. And all of those, you kind of were able to work in a, in a similar role to what, what you're doing now. And if you if people that kind of know the NCAA and you look at a progression, each one of those is a step up athletically, but they're, they're also a step up um, administratively for, for you as well. And so mm -hmm. with each one of those, were you kind of given some new responsibilities or in, in some of those, did you kind of start fresh and, and able to put your own mark on those places? Yeah, it was a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, you know, the opportunity at Jacksonville came because I was uh, the interim assistant director at Western. Our, our assistant director left Western uh, with, within the first semester. So I was a, a GA fresh out of undergrad, and uh, they ended up leaving in December. And uh, my boss at the time was like, hey, we're probably not going to fill this position till you know, May or April. Uh, will you be okay? And I'm like, I have no choice. To, yeah. <laughs> um, so that those, those additional responsibilities and opportunities kind of was just a snowball into, into my career. And because I had that kind of full-time experience, I was able to get the position at Jacksonville University. And then while I was there, uh, the AD currently now, he was um, the senior associate AD at the time. He gave me um, a lot to do more than what my job description was just because Jacksonville was under kind of a um, revitalization with just a turnover of ADs. So I got to get my hands in, in compliance, even did some ticketing for, for some games, um, got to really deal with some of the financial aid stuff that academic advisors don't usually get to deal with. 
and um, got to build out, you know, our life skills and student athlete development program. So um, that was, you know, a step up, but then opportunities came from there. And then that led to, again, like you said, giving a step up to being a director at Old Dominion University and then being able to kind of run my own area. And what came out of that is that um, doing the same things pretty much at Jacksonville, but now it was that next layer of leadership and having to have a couple of direct reports. So I had a full-time coordinator report to me and then I had an intern and then I also had to manage some of our student workers in our student worker program as well. So that first year was, was rough. People always say you want the responsibilities to lead and supervise and, and when you get it, if you're not, if you're not ready for it, it, it can be, um, it can be challenging. And that was a, a real challenging year for me. I did a lot of self-reflection. I, I found out that I was a, a great doer and executor, but you know, to lead and, um, grow and teach another individual is a, is a whole nother step. So, um, that opportunity kind of led and grew, grew me for those two and a half years. And, um, it, it, it just became clear that, you know, I was starting to grow kind of out of my shell there at ODU. And we had conversations of, um, uh, moving up, moving around and, and ironically, or co coincidentally, uh, Texas Tech came up and that was a, an assistant AD title. And then even that was another layer of responsibilities of now being able to not just have a staff, but be able to hire and pick my own staff there at Texas Tech. So um, that was the kind of final piece of the opportunity to be able to um, continue to grow, you know, along with the titles came a lot of those additional responsibilities, which was attractive to me every time um, that I moved on. Now, somebody a little bit older and been around the NCAA for a long time, the, the program that comes to mind for me is Champs Life Skills. And I don't know mm -hmm. if that yep. program even exists anymore. And that, that may be kind of what, um, in a nutshell, you kind of have took over, but then expounded from that. And, and I think for people who don't understand that, it, that's essentially the premise of that was to prepare young men and women that are student athletes for life when they're done playing sports. And I, and I think yeah. looking through your resume, that's kind of what you did at those universities as well. Just in not under maybe that umbrella that the NCAA has with that program. Yeah. Yeah. So champs life skills, you hit it on the nail, Rich. I think it, it came about, oh, I want to say 99 um, or 2000 uh, when they, when they started the champs life skills and it was like the five pillars of, career, personal, I'm not going to get all five, so I'm not going to pretend like I do, but leadership <laughs> and, and a few others. Um, and then now it's kind of shifted. Like you said, it's still the same work, you know, preparing student athletes for life after sport. Um, but now it's more transitioned to what is um, called, you know, student athlete development or, or student athlete enhancement. And um, again, same um, premise of the pillars of career development, leadership development, um, you know, wellness, um, uh, could be just a, a number of things with just personal development as well. But the opportunities now at universities, I know has enhanced, you know, it's not just, it's more than just, you know, getting student athletes involved with their student athlete advisory committee or SAC. Um, it's really making sure that, you know, when they leave after four years, they're just as prepared as that non-student athlete that has all those opportunities to intern with, with you and, um, the other facilities within the athletic department or intern, you know, off campus and just that, that time demand isn't on regular students as much. So 
the area of champs life skills and now student athlete development was really ramped up to continue to help student athletes to be able to have a competitive advantage once they leave um, their, their college career. Now you look at the places you've been, Western, Jacksonville, Old Dominion, Texas Tech, and now at the NCAA, all different parts of the country, all different um, types of environments. You went from the beach to a different beach, <laughs> yeah. to a beach with no water in the middle of Texas, to, <laughs> to, to now Indianapolis, I guess. What, what's, what are some of the highlights? Not thinking the job here, but some of the highlights about yeah. some of those places that you lived in. And, um, and then we'll, we'll hit a few other fun questions after that. Yeah, yeah, definitely the beach. Definitely the beach, Rich. That was – I always knew that I wanted to – to live in Florida at some point in time. I didn't know it was going to be my first like full-time job, but I, I always talked to um, my teammates and, and peers that I have to live in Florida uh, when I grow up in, in some capacity. So the beach was amazing uh, from just going out there to, to read and relax, to going out there to barbecue, to, um, you know, them having activities whether it be a parade or a fair on the beach it was just just fun in Jacksonville and Virginia Beach um when I was there and you know Texas had its 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 uh <laughs> benefits as well you know like you said no beach uh especially being in West Te West Texas and Lubbock um but the the fun times um in Texas was being able to experience the the different food and the culture right so um, really big on you know the Mex the Tex Mex and then the the barbecue and and all those things there. So I'm a I'm a big food guy. Uh, so being able to experience um, that within Texas was kind of the supplement. I still miss the beach um, a lot just because I grew up in Chicago and you know Lake Michigan is our quote unquote beach. <laughs> so um, that was that was interesting. But then Indianapolis just, you know, traveling to the national office for other conferences before I got here has always just been a, a, a really cool place. Um, you know, I think it's underrated to be, you know, a really good city for sports. I mean, this year alone, we're hosting uh, the men's final four, the all-star game for the NBA. So, uh, I mean, the combine is here every year, NFL combine. Obviously, you got the Colts, the Pacers. You know, one thing they're missing is a is a major league baseball team, right? Um, so being in Indy has been great, just to be able to be surrounded by so much um, activity. And the Indianapolis Zoo is probably one of the best zoos I've seen in the country. Um, and and I enjoy um, the Lincoln Park Zoo and Brookfield Zoo in, in Chicago, but. Um, the Indianapolis Zoo here has, has been really neat to see. Now, out of those places, what are the maybe best one or two meals that you've had or, or foods? You <laughs> talked about the Tex-Mex barbecue. Is there a, was there a favorite restaurant in those in those those places you lived that you kind of wish you could pack that up and get it sent to you in Indy? Oh man, I wish I knew the wing. I'm a wing connoisseur, self-proclaimed. Um, there is a wing place in Jacksonville that. I, I wish I knew the name of right now, but probably went there every Friday if I could. Um, ODU, yeah. Not, there's not a lot of places that stick out there. Um, and then Texas Tech, um, there was a, uh, a barbecue place um, in Lubbock. Again, they had, they had wings. I'm really bad with names. Um, 
those those two places <laughs> those two places um kind of stick out to me the much and then in indy if you're ever in indy um you have to go to Kuroi's. they have the best breadsticks ever um cheese filled has pepperoni in it and everything um and then again going back to wings they have peanut butter and jelly wings do not do not dismiss it until you try it i know I, I i made the face i made that face the first time i heard it too but um, you know, I wouldn't get 12 wings, but I would probably get six and, and, and enjoy that. But peanut butter and jelly wings. So what do you, you gotta, pair with that? Because you don't just eat six wings. <laughs> what are you pairing with peanut butter and jelly wings? You know, I'll pair, uh, um, they have some great lemonades there. So, um, I get a lemonade. I'll get, I'll get the breadsticks with it as well. Um, if you're going to get more wings, if you're going to get more, because you're not going to just get eat six wings. No, nah, I'm not going to get six what, wings. What's your, what's your other flavor you're going to throw? Other flavors, I'll probably, I'll probably get, uh, I'll probably get honey barbecue, six of those, and I'll probably get six, um, you know, buffalo hot, um, just to mix it up. And then if I'm feeling feeling real good that day and had a good week of workouts, um, I'll probably get another six of either um, teriyaki or um, hot barbecue. Okay. I had to say you had to have something to balance out. <laughs> yeah. Really <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So you're going to be, so you, you've been on campuses your entire life. You're now at the NCAA. My, my guess is most people that when they go work at the NCAA usually don't leave the NCAA. I'm not going to project <laughs> your, your, your future path here. Uh, the people I've known that have gone to work for the NCAA typically do not leave it. They, it's a good place to work. It's a, it's yeah. a, there's a good upward trajectory and chance for advancement there. What do you think you're going to miss most about being on a, on a campus now that, that that opportunity is not for you in, in your current role? Yeah, I, I think, um, well, no, I know, you know, the, just the atmosphere of, of Saturday football, the atmosphere of going to the basketball games, going to the soccer games, you know, going to a track meet, um, you know, just, just that atmosphere of going to those different sporting events and knowing the student athletes. Right. Um, I, um, my girlfriend works at Purdue, so I'm a, a natural Purdue fan now. So, you know, I can go to the football games, I can go to basketball, et cetera, but, you know, to actually go to these games and know, you know, those student athletes to be able to cheer, on them will be one of the, the biggest things that I'll, that I'll miss uh, for sure. But, um, you know, just being able to um, connect with a, a broader range of student athletes through being at the NCAA is, is what um, attracted me here. And, and that's what I'm excited about to be able to, you know, post pandemic, continue to go to campuses and, and do leadership trainings and, and continue to build different relationships with different student athletes um, across the nation. So. Now you mentioned they're going to host the final four there this year. Have you already uh, reached out to to some of those people in different departments and tell them you'd be more than happy to to be a volunteer <laughs> to make sure you can get in the building and watch the boots? <laughs> yeah, they they know. They I got a couple colleagues in championships and I told them to put me on a list, man. I, what do I got to hold the door for the teams? You know, to <laughs> sweep the floor, mop, whatever you need. I'd be the ball boy, towel boy. Um, you know, whatever you, you need me to do, because not a lot of people know that um, just because we work at NCA doesn't mean we get free tickets. We yeah. do not <laughs> get free tickets. No, I knew that. I, I, I did know that. I know, I've had that conversation. There's a few uh, people I know over there. Dave Warlock runs the, is actually on the men's basketball championship 
who okay. are in the media and I've known Dave for a number of years. And then uh, okay. Amy Reese does some of the, the stuff as well. Amy was the marketing director here at Eastern, okay. probably right before you came as a student athlete. So, okay. and I know the NCAA is a big place and you may have, may have run across those people and not know who they are. And it, it, yeah. it's a much bigger employment uh, employer than I think people realize as well. <laughs> yeah. 500 plus employees. Yeah. That's like trying to know all the student athletes' names and faces here. At, <laughs> at so. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, well, it was good catching up with you, Mar. I do appreciate you taking some time this afternoon. I know you're you're a busy guy, even though there's no sports. There, there's still some things going on at the NCAA. And thanks for for catching up us here, catching up with us here on the EIU Panthers podcast. Yeah, thanks, Rich. And no, I was a it was a good pleasure to to catch up again with you and. Um, Hopefully, I'll be able to, to come on campus here uh, when everything kind of slows down or speeds back up, however you want to look at it. That'd be great. We'd love to have you back. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Have a good week. All right. You too, Rich. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>